The Writer's Toolkit is published by Nick Hearn Books. Order direct from the publisher and get 20% off this and other great titles. Visit nickhearnbooks.co.uk. Talking practice and process with celebrated playwrights and screenwriters, this is the Writer's Toolkit podcast. Thanks for joining me on another instalment of the Writer's Toolkit podcast, another opportunity to visit the writing room of a working writer, rifling through their desk drawers and uncovering their go-to techniques for getting the work done. Practice and process mean different things for all of us and look different depending on who you ask. At the end of the day, whatever keeps you in the chair and inspires you to live your best writing life while telling the stories you want to tell in that special and unique way that only you can, well, that's fine by me. So in the same spirit that I share my working tips and ideas in my book, The Writer's Toolkit, I really love hearing what works for other writers, especially those I've long admired. I actually put this podcast series together to hear from some of those special writers so that you and I can find out what works for them and maybe try some of the bits that speak to us next time we sit down to write. Coming up. When I thought about creating this podcast, Mark Sanderson was a must-have guest right off the bat. I devoured his brilliant book, A Screenwriter's Journey to Success, in one weekend last year and was filled with a dizzying desire to write my spec scripts and make stuff happen. In his book, he takes you by the hand around the studios for meetings. It's a hike around Hollywood. It's part memoir, part how-to book, part survival guide, and wholly brilliant. I didn't think that we needed another book of how to write a screenplay. You know, there's there's fantastic books out there, and then we all read them, and then we digest it, and then we find our own thing, and, you know. But there weren't many books about how to survive the life of a writer. A Screenwriter's Journey to Success does exactly what it says on the cover. It's all about the day-to-day, nitty-gritty of life in the trenches, and ultimately how to take your work from script to screen. It's a sit-down with that Hollywood insider that you wish you knew. The Writer's Toolkit Podcast with Paul Kalbergi. Mark Sanderson is a working screenwriter, script consultant, author, blogger and lecturer, blessed to be living out his childhood dreams of making movies. Starting out as a founding member of The Amazing Onion Heads, the LA-based sketch troupe before writing for MTV, Mark has sold spec scripts and completed two dozen screenplay assignments. A veteran Hollywood screenwriter, he can chalk up TV premieres and worldwide distribution of 15 films. These include the thrillers Suburban Swingers Club, Family Vanished, One Small Indiscretion, A Night to Regret and Mummy's Little Girl. His submarine action films include Tides of War and Silent Venom, and two Christmas movies, Deck the Halls and An Accidental Christmas, to name just a few. Mark's work has been honoured with premieres at numerous international film festivals. Notably, his World War II drama, I'll Remember April, premiered as the opening film at the Palm Springs International Film Festival in 2000. And since then, he's worked with Academy Award-winning producers, veteran directors, and has written films starring Academy Award, Emmy, and Golden Globe acting nominees. Mark Sanderson is the epitome of a working screenwriter and a thoroughly nice guy, and his book manages to unpack and translate some of the psychology of what it is to be a writer, articulating all of the thoughts and feelings that writers all too often internalise and try to deal with alone. So I think having his book by your side can make the journey to success a little less lonely. I'm so glad to chat with him today. His passion and enthusiasm for his craft is catching and so damn inspiring. Mark, welcome. Hey. How are you doing? All right. It's a pleasure to finally meet you. Yeah, it's great to finally say hello. It feels like we've been interacting for a while online yes. and it's um, it's nice to finally kind of kind of in person. No, absolutely. I, I have to get one of those little shields that you have there. 
Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm hoping it, it's adding something. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> if not for the pictures. Yeah, it looks, it looks totally pro. And by the way, I, I finished the book. Oh, fantastic. And it's, I'm going to put a uh, review on Amazon. Oh, but, brilliant. Thank you. Uh, it was fantastic. Thank you so much. As I say, you know, you can teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, it's so lovely to sit down for a chat with you. And I've got your book here, um, Screenwriter's Journey oh, to thank Success, you. which is, um, it, it's, it's, it's well read. It's, um, it's, it's definitely been devoured. Um, and what I love, <laughs> what I love most about the book, I think, is your first hand tales from the trenches, as it were. Um, I yes. guess the instant hook here or the kind of opening image if we're talking in screenwriting terms is your early years and, and yes. you, you refer to your neighborhood as Hollywood's back lot. Um, you know, you were a kid watching TV shows and movies shot on your doorstep kind of, you know, as a daily thing after school. So it feels like a career in the business was very much kind of on the cards from the start. So for anyone who hasn't read the book, could you paint a bit of a quick portrait of young Mark, the preteen film mogul? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when I was 11 years old, my, my best pal, who I'm still close with today, uh, he received a movie camera from his grandfather. And that was the, as I say, the creative spark for both of us to have this wind up eight millimeter camera and just start playing around with it. You know, and we, we, gravitated to, you know, science fiction movies and secret agent films and all these type of things. And like, as you were saying, in addition, we would walk home from school because we lived a block from each other uh, in apartments. Uh, and suddenly there'd be a crew set up filming a TV show that is wow. of the era, the most popular show every week on television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That usually doesn't happen in, in everyone's town you know, unless you live like in Hollywood. So we'd hang out on the set and, you know, the, the grip or whomever would say, Hey, what do you, okay, come over here. And then next thing, the next day, and they'd see us again and they say, well, get closer. Right. And then right. we'd be sitting next to like the director and then the star would be there and we'd get an autograph. And I remember we shared um, one of the stars of the show it was her birthday. So yeah. now we're eating her cake, you know, at craft service because we're the kids <laughs> in the neighborhood, you know. And so it wasn't that I would say far-fetched to have this dream of like, mm. interesting. Now, my parents were not in the film business. Right. As you know, ne nepotism helps immensely. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> it just sort of is like, this is your dream. And we're surrounded by it. And and why not? And so we'd pump out these these films and then we would show them in his garage for money and we would charge admission and Saturday morning, the garage was open and we put <laughs> we made movie, but I think about it now. It's just, we make movie posters and it was like full vertical integration. We were not only the studio, but yeah, the production yeah, yeah. company in the, and we put up posters around this yeah, thing and wait yeah. and hopefully someone shows up. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So I, I try to keep, you know, that wide eyed dreamer mm. alive. And it's, you know how it is. I mean, when you're a writer and you get bumped around for years and it's difficult to keep, to tap sure. into that, but I still want to, when I walk into a movie and the lights go down, I'm, I'm your best oh. viewer. Take me, right. you know, I don't overanalyze and go, Oh, they didn't do this. Cause sure. I know it, we know how difficult it is to get yeah, any yeah, movie yeah. made. Yeah. So, you know, that, that sort of, I, I, I try to keep that, that childhood like side in me still alive. Cause I think it's important. Yeah, that's, that's so exciting. The one thing that comes across, you know, so loud and clear throughout the book is your commitment to your craft. And you say you put your success down to seven things in the book, uh, persistence, hard work, talent, razor sharp focus, 
sacrifice, patience, and tremendous luck. Yes. Um, how has your creativity fared over the last 18 months? Well, interestingly enough, um, but sadly, I had two films that were looked really close to going pre-COVID. And then when COVID hit and everything went its way, they fell apart. And that was a big sort of, but you know, you weather the storms, you have to, mm. if you're going to be in this for a long time, you have to bob and weave and, and sure. you know, adapt. So when nothing was in production, what can we do as writers? Right. We can write. And and there's no excuse if we're not writing. You know, you can only look in the mirror and blame yourself and say, okay, it's not others or anything else. Sure. So I got to writing two specs, which I which was lovely because I had not written specs in a mm. while because I was doing, you know, assignment work is right. sort of my primary thing. And sometimes you don't have time to then work on your own projects because you're too darn tired exactly. from your job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did I did write two specs. Um, one with the director, and this is another important thing I have in the book and also to tell anyone is that all these, these contacts and connections you make over the years with people, you start mm. to build their, their confidence in you and you're a collaborator. Right. And so with the director I'd worked with before, and we've been bouncing ideas for years and pitching together and we wrote a spec together, but we weren't in the same place. And I'm not used to doing that because when I had a writing partner, as I say in the book, many years ago, we would write at the same time in the same room. And yeah, we finished for the day. Goodbye, you know, clock out and that's it. And so it was interesting to write with someone who's not in the room and then send their version of a couple pages. And, Mm. you know, I, I sort of had to let go because over the many years I've been, I don't say controlling, but when you write your own stuff, you know, it's more, you know, it's mine, it's my, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I have to let go and say, oh, you're going to do five pages. Okay. Yeah. And then I'm not even, I'm going to see it. And then you're going to yeah. see mine. And, and, um, so it was good. So I finished this one spec and then did another spec with a partner. And I don't traditionally have writing partners. If you, have you ever had a writing partner? Uh, very, very early on with, um, kind of fringy things, but never since I've been kind of working professionally. Um, and I think again, I, I might struggle with that kind of right control thing um i mean it would certainly push you and test you in in fantastic ways exactly exactly right it's like if you lived alone all your life and yeah. then suddenly you got married or something you're like oh somebody's <laughs> in the house and i gotta share you know not that i don't know how to do that but so i had to let go and it was great because he came to me with the idea right and he pitched me and i was like is this worth my free time yeah and i yeah. thought yes this is something that we could work on so yeah you like I said, last year was the year of the spec for me. Sure, you sure. Know, um, now this year back is the year of the pitch. So now my producers are back to working, however, whatever capacity. And so, you know, I'm crafting pitches, one, one sheets, trying to, you know, interest them and get the buyers interested, yeah. trickling back and saying, hey, I'm open for rewrites and things like that. So that's a great way of looking at it. The year of the pitch, forward momentum, onwards and upwards. Um, you know, we've had this kind of dark year with the lights out. It's ready. It's time to get back out there. And that's fantastic now that you have two new scripts to be able to take to market. Yeah, I read something fairly recently said the life of a writer in Hollywood is 10 years. And that's kind of scary (laughs) because it takes 10 to get there and then you only have 10. Right. You know, that doesn't seem to... uh, We'll, we'll ignore that then. <laughs> that can't be right. Yeah, we'll ignore that. Yeah, like uh, with Indiana Jones, you never tell me the odds or whatever. Right. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So it's a chilly morning here in Auckland, in New Zealand, hopefully heading out of winter soon. You're talking to me from LA right now? 
correct? Can you paint me a little picture of your writing space? Um, my room is in my my house, you know, my apartment. Um, I have an, a desk that I try to have, you know, uncluttered as, as possible. And, you know, sometimes <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Um, on my shelf, I've got the DVDs of yeah. my films and, you know, oh, well, okay, okay. And then, you know, books yeah. and uh, my laptop. And it's interesting enough. I was reading your fantastic book about how you type a first draft mm. with a typewriter. Yeah. And I have a close friend who does that. He just bought a typewriter. I, I had a typewriter in high school. So I would, I would, I know what it's like to type a, because it's that immediacy of like mm. you're putting down and some of the greatest screenplays in, in, in history were written on typewriters. Sure. Yeah. 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 So in your book, you were talking about different places. I like to get away from the computer as much as possible. Mm. And you know, in this last pandemic, everyone had to spend time at home. Yeah, and yeah. I got, you got a bit too much because you're like, well, where else can I go? This is, and I used to write at libraries. Right. Uh, when I went to high school, I worked in a library as a page, which was a fantastic job because you're always around books, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And it's the same library, which is our main branch that I worked at. So I right. didn't stray far from, you know, my hometown. So I, I've written screenplays there that actually were made. Wow. And I've also, we have a place here called The Office. I was just going to ask you to talk about The Office. Yeah, yeah. You can rent. They've moved their location to a much bigger place um, in in the same city. But you can rent it for the day. You can get a membership and come in after hours. And it's an office space. And and on the wall they have the scripts that were written here. And it's the pantheon of everything that you and I have seen. You're like, oh wow, I better get to work. So (laughs) you look at that wall and you're like, it's intimidating. But you're like, yeah, my butt's in the seat. It's incredible. And they have a no cell phone policy. They have coffee. Yeah. So one a producer one time had hired me to write an assignment and he paid for me for a month to go to the office. And it was like going to the office, an yeah. office, without having to pay for the electricity and the, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. the rent and all coffee that. Coffee on tap. Yeah, exactly. So I've done that and I've done the coffee shop routine to have the ambient noise and then yeah. gaze and see people and all this kind of thing. Yeah. People, how can you write with all this noise and all these people and things? And it's like, I don't know. It's like this weird. Yeah. It helps you focus more because you can just, it's active and there's energy around Definitely. you, right? And there's there's food and yeah. <laughs> you know coffee and people. Yeah, It's funny because, you know, the whole cliche about, oh, everybody in this coffee shop's writing a screenplay. And actually you look around and go, yes. They usually are. <laughs> they are. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I am too. Uh, I've become yeah, one of those, yeah. you know. <laughs> Recently, I, I received a um, fountain pen, you know, you have to with ink. And um, that's been a pleasurable experience. Isn't that great? Isn't there something about putting it from here mm. down, down to the yeah. paper? Yeah. Just actually two days ago, I ordered myself a new fountain pen online and mm-hmm. I'm very excited for it to arrive because I've not used one for years and years and years, but I love that. You know, I'm all about papers and pens and tactile. I love to go into office supply store. Mm. You walk in, you can immediately smell paper yep. and ink and things and pens. And you're like, I could spend, you know, a thousand dollars and walk out with just, <laughs> you know, post-its and all sorts of goodies. <laughs> Recently, I went in and, and I needed um, just a, a scribble pad yep. and I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll buy two of them because, right. you know, I can, <laughs> even if I just... <laughs> scribble nonsense. I need, you know, I, yep. I very, I like to write by hand. Yes. Not the whole screenplay, yeah. but notes. Yep. And then of course yep. you get into like with the typewriter, exactly that, you know, immediacy of having those printed pages at the end of a session in your hand. And you can look at it and go, look, I wrote this today. It didn't exist before I sat down and here are 10 pages or whatever. And yes. the next morning you come in, you see them on your desk and you think there's my screenplay. That's the thing I'm working on. And then yes. you know, 90 pages in, you have a physical, tangible, you know, product to go and sit in a coffee shop with a red pen and have that distance from the screen. Mm-hmm. And it, it almost takes you, I think you almost bypass a draft through, through having that full process yes. and not having the temptation to edit along the way when you have to manually transcribe that as well. There's a lot of, a lot of work done in that time. 
time. No, I, I, I totally agree with you 100%. And what do you have to have around you when you write, Mark? Do you, um, I'm a, I'm a big mug of black coffee on a morning person and I kind of have the pot going throughout the day. Usually breakfast snacks, maybe once every kind of hour or whenever the dog needs to go outside. What do, <laughs> what do you have to have around you? I wish I had a pet because there are times I sit, I, ha- I need, what I need to start doing is set an alarm, right. an alarm for like 20 minutes because I go for hours. Yeah. And then I, I wake up and I'm like, I don't wake up, but I come out of my writing dream and I go, oh my gosh, I <laughs> need to stand. Yeah, and so yeah. for a while I made my own sort of self-crafted standing desk. Oh, good. And I, I plugged into my 42 inch flat screen and I, you know, wrote with that as my screen. How did you find that? It was different. I don't know if, you know, I could do it all the time, but it was a nice, a nice change. Mm. But yeah, the coffee, um, you know, it all depends. Like if I'm on assignment and I have a deadline, I try to keep to the same schedule every day, but I have the luxury of shifting my schedule. Yeah. One job I got really, I spent a week trying to find my space and like, wow, you know, and I'd get too bogged down with the internet and, mm. and emails in the morning, then looking at the news and suddenly about three o'clock I'd get to pages. And by then your day is procrastinated to nothing. So I tried it the next day and stay. So I finally said, what if my day starts at three Yeah. and I work six hours till 9 PM? I, I can do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so I just settled in and stopped with the anxiety about it and saying, my day starts a little later this time on this one. Yeah. Take the pressure you know. off. Yeah. As long as the pages are done by the deadline. And as you know, uh, some days you get uh, five pages and mm. others it's like pulling teeth for three. Yeah. And then you'll get 10 the day after and bank them and say, oh, I'm ahead. No, don't be too excited about being ahead because, <laughs> you know, there's a two page day coming up. <laughs> that, that can change a lot. Yeah. Well, obviously, you you must drink a certain amount of coffee, Mark, because um, I still love I still love yeah, coffee. Yeah, I'm in love with your coffee ring cartoons. You've got to talk to us about those. Um, while I was writing the book, or actually not knowing that I was writing the book, because I was I wrote blog articles and I started writing different things, and then finally, after you know about 250 pieces of material, I thought, well, I think I could. This is something, isn't it? I could put this into some sort of form. And so while I was drinking the coffee, it would leave a ring on the notes. And so I, since I was, a, as a kid, I always wanted to be an animator and cartoonist. So I, I have some ability to draw cartoons, you know? Yeah. And um, so I just started doodling and then suddenly I was like, oh, this is kind of weird, <laughs> you know, type of thing. So. And was that the first time that you saw one of those faces in the coffee ring? Yeah. I actually, luckily I kept the first one, which I have at the very end of the book. And um, I actually, because I, I date everything and I like to keep dates about Things, you know, yeah. I was like, oh, that was from then. I was like, wow, that's when I sort of started yeah. formulating the book, you know. No, I love that. I think they're fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. So I did have a, I did have a, a suggestion or a request for you, which is please design coasters. I think they'd be oh, fantastic yeah. so that my coffee cup actually sits on the coffee ring. <laughs> that's you're right. People were joking. They're like, how much coffee do you spill when you drink? I go, what? You've never <laughs> had a coffee ring? Yeah. I don't think so. I was like, all right, well, then you're not writing enough or yeah, drinking enough exactly. coffee. Exactly. No, I think they're brilliant. So I'll, I'll buy the whole set when you when you get some coasters. <laughs> Thank you. I think the messages on them are, are so important. We all need that reminder, right? When we're sat at our desks in the trenches. And I always constantly need to be reminded of these things because sometimes we slip, you know? I mean, now that we're book authors and we're trying to give advice, someone jokingly several times said, you know, I'm talking about something. They go, hey, you should really buy this book. I go, really, which one? And they mention mine. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. I sort of, I didn't follow rule number three right, or, right. or this seven, <laughs> you know. Yes. Procrastination, yeah, it happens to me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. 
So I think writing in a different environment is so important. And of course, you know, taking yourself to a coffee shop is fantastic, um, mm-hmm. you know, on a, on a kind of regular basis. But getting away from it all on a different level, um, you know, escaping the reminders of daily life that certain things have to happen at certain times and sure. being able to fully immerse into a project. Have you ever gone on a writing retreat or taken yourself away, whether it's an organized thing or simply just kind of a a cabin in the woods and had that alone time, that downtime to write and think of nothing else? Uh, I went up the coast um, years ago when I was writing this TV pilot and uh, rented a hotel. And it was the whole romanticized, like, I'm getting out of town. and, Mm. And it was in a little small town right on the beach. And I could walk into the town and have dinner. I had this this great Indian place I found. Yeah, it was like two days of of productivity, and it was it, you know it's interesting. Yeah. When I go to Italy, it's sort of like a writer's retreat, and I have worked um, because my girlfriend lives in Italy, right. so I have had an assignment and then left town to go. Yeah, you know, on so let's say it's a vacation, right? But to work, mm. but I was so it was really hard because I'm distracted by what am I? You know, I, I'm sitting inside. I'm in Italy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, what I mean, what am I yeah. doing? And sorry, no, you're working to pay for you to be in Italy. Oh, yes, yes. okay. I just, <laughs> As you know, to be in another country, because yeah. you've lived in the United States, yeah. it, there's a creative aspect about that too, because it's adventurous, you know, and it's like everything is new and different. The air smells different, the food, you know. Yeah. So you're picking up on all these little signals that that are great for writers. Yes. You have to live. I always say writers, it's your job and duty to live amazing, adventurous lives, you know, yeah. to, to outside your comfort zone, because these are things that you'll need to draw on so that you don't read something and go... This is like everything we've seen on television. Yeah. yeah. Or it doesn't come off as, as authentic in a way that you've actually been there. Now, that's not to say you can't. A lot of our creativity is from creating things. Mm. No, I haven't been in space. Right. You know, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? There's, there's a balance where you just can't write from your, your little yeah. room and not go out and experience human relationships and, mm. and all sorts of things like that. Mm. You know? For sure. So, Mark, you're in the screenwriter's playground, living in Hollywood, you know, on the daily. One of my favorite places to visit whenever I'm in L.A. is the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. I love to go and spend some time with the Dede Departed, visit Julie Garland and the greats and kind of, you know, soak up some of that energy. They show movies there during the summer. Oh, really? They project them on the mausoleum wall. Oh, wow. Yeah, and there's like 150, 200 people having picnics. I went once. It's kind of a little creepy being in a graveyard <laughs> watching a film, but that that's everybody's there. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, the grounds are fantastic. It's so well looked after. It and- was actually falling into disarray, and it was purchased by, um, I think, a small group of people. They were kind of hip enough to go, hey, we can also show movies on the, on the wall, you know, like it's a drive-in movie. Well, there's something about watching it with the stars, right? Literally. And the, and the movie stars, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. who could be buried there. Yeah, of course. So you probably don't fall into the La La Land tourist traps. Where do you escape to locally to top up your inspiration and, uh, I guess, replenish your creativity? I still look for places that I haven't found before, but many times it's going to the movies. You know, in all, in all honesty, doing, going back to the Church of Cinema. Yes. And we're very blessed pre-COVID and, and now to have movie theaters that show um, old films and like Quentin, Quentin Tarantino bought the new Beverly here. And so it, it shows real film on 35 millimeter. Oh, fantastic. And we have the Arrow Theater, which shows film on 35 and 70 millimeter still. And you can kind of hear the projector going, you know, if you listen closely I enough and you're like, ah, you know, uh, LA, the LA County Museum used to have uh, matinees for, I think, I think they were $4. And you check the list and go, whoa, that's a, you know, if I hadn't seen the film, I'd rather see it in the theater first. Mm. 
And I used to mountain bike a lot. So we have so many places here within 20 minutes to go and, and get away from it all. And then you look back at the Pacific Ocean. The beach is another. Yeah. I live near the beach. So, you know, with the waves crashing at your feet, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's inspirational to look out and be humbled by that massive ocean, yeah. you know, and just puts everything sort of in perspective. Mm. Clears your head. Definitely agree. Absolutely. Okay, let's take a little break, Mark. Sure. And then when we come back, let's talk about your book some more because I find it endlessly inspiring and I'm forever recommending it to anyone who'll listen. So oh, let's let's you. dive into that some more. Mm-hmm. More from the writer's toolkit after these messages. This podcast is fueled by coffee. If you'd like to support the show, you'll find the Buy Me a Coffee link in the show notes. Welcome back to the Writer's Toolkit podcast. I want to talk about about your book some more, Mark. I'm always recommending it to friends. and I, I usually describe it as kind of part how-to book, part memoir, part survival guide. Is that a fair description, do you think? That is more than fair. Yeah. I didn't want to do a complete memoir because I don't think that uh, I'm finished yet. <laughs> Maybe I am and I don't know it. But <laughs> yeah, it, you know, I wanted to show that I didn't start from, I, you know, I came from humble beginnings of not anyone in the film business, just right. a kid with a dream. Yeah. And, you know, going to film school and then thinking I'd have a, you know, three picture deal. And then six years later, I finally, you know, got my thing. And then, you know, the ins and outs of trying to just say, I'm not, I'm going to still be around. I'm not, you mm. know, and there's been, there, there weren't, I didn't think that we needed another book of how to write a screenplay. Right. You know, there's, there's fantastic yeah. books out there and then we all read them and then we digest it and then we find our own thing. And, you know, so, but there weren't many books about how to survive the life of a writer. And I thought, okay, well, I've been through that yeah. <laughs> for a number of years and decades. And luckily I remember all the stories because I would hit up my writing partner. I say, remember we went to that one thing? And he'd go, I don't remember that at all. I'm like, come right. on, you're killing me. I say, come <laughs> on. Because it's weird how us writers have to think visually. When yes. something has happened and it's done, it's a film. And I can go through it and, and relive it right. like exactly um, – the one producer turned the tables on us and he cut us off. Yeah. You know, he said, no, this is, this is all BS. You know, your pitch is, is, is fake. It's fake. And we're looking at each other and we're like, is this guy kidding? Because the whole meeting just went down, you know, right, went south. Right. And importantly, those stories are not just for, you know, ha yucks. It's for it to, to be an example sure. of like, well, here's what I didn't do and then suffered because we yeah. got, or here's what I did do and avoided the pitfalls right. that you might come in contact with while you're going through the, the business. Yeah. That's what's so, I think that's what's so brilliant about the book is that, you know, you, you might hear in, in another book, someone will refer and say, oh, you know, wh- when you have a meeting with, you know, a producer, or when you have a meeting with an agent, well, you actually take us inside yes. that meeting room and you give us those firsthand anecdotes, you know, those real tales from the trenches. I felt like I was with you on your journey and it was the day-to-day how to, again, rather than craft, it's about the journey. Well, thank you. I appreciate that because I worked really hard to to get that, and also uh, the names were all left out to pr- to uh, protect the guilty. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it's 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 brilliant, and I think the biggest takeaway for me was, you know, if you want to have any level of success, you need to make a commitment to your to your craft and have a steely belief that you'll make it, and you know, faith in that one day that things will pay off, that the right sure. set of eyes will see your world through the same lens and one day you'll be rewarded with that green light. And as you and I both know that green light, as I say, the first script is the hardest to sell, but that second one is not easy either. And then your, your third and fourth and yeah. fifth, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, the concept of us making it, you know, oh, I've made yeah. it. You never, I don't believe it's quote unquote, make it. Okay. Tom Cruise is made it. it. All right. You know, but I mean, the rest of us, 
go from job to job. And then maybe we've got two or three lined up, which yeah. is great. And then there's a dry period and that's what we do. And if you're on a TV series that ends as well, yes. and you, you know, like out of the 20,000 writers in the guild, I think last year, 6,400 approximately reported mm. income. Amazing. So you're looking at those odds that, that the rest of the ones are either living on their royalties or they've got another job and they're hoping to sell something. And they've yeah. probably got a manager and agent who's trying to push them. Yeah. And that too, isn't the, the magic end all be all, you know, I've, yeah, yeah, I've been yeah. Signed. Okay, great. Now the work just yes. begins. Yeah. And you'll find that they're not on the phone every morning going, Mark, mm. I, you got to pick him up. I'm on the phone every morning going, hey, you got a thing? And then they say, yeah, okay, well, call my agent or call my manager. Right. You know, you have to be hustling yes. constantly. Yes. And that's the life, right? It's having a writing life. Yes. You know, um, I used to hate it when family would sometimes say, and with the best intentions and trying to sure. be supportive, they'd try and say, you know, oh, I, ho I hope you make it one day. I think, well, I'm, I'm making it now. You know, I'm a working writer. I'm working on writing assignments. I'm, my work is, is on television. Um, you know, that's, this is it. Like I'm living the life. I'm not yeah. waiting to make it, you know? Waiting for, yeah, to be discovered, to be a list. Right. And so if that never happens, if that movie that they have in their head for you never comes out, then you, mm -hmm. then what, you haven't made it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I always want to work. Many people in the world go to a job and they work for the weekend because right. they don't like their job. What would you like to be doing that would be your passion? Yeah. And yeah, you may take a lot of hits for that. You may not make a lot of money. If yeah. you wanted to make money, there are, there are fields to go into that you'll make yes. a lot of money. Real estate, yeah. law, whatever. Writing screenplays? <laughs> not so much. But if you make a living to do what you love to do, that is success in my book. That is success. Absolutely. No, you have to have that self-belief. Um, and I love the passage in the book titled The Insanity of Us Dreamers. Um, I was going to ask actually if you would be kind enough to maybe read that for us, Mark. Uh, let's see here. What really is considered insane behavior? Is it the pursuit of a screenwriting career? Rolling the dice with your life, writing script after script, and believing that a producer will eventually buy one and produce it into a movie? Even when faced with seemingly insurmountable odds, dreamers have to be a bit insane to continue on their marathon journey. We stand on that cliffside and stare into the dark void below while our dreams burn as red-hot fuel for our courage to take the leap. Against all odds and facing our fears, we jump into the unknown with faith that we will succeed. The world needs more dreamers. Why would the universe be cruel to us who create while so many others cannot? Our commitment to live our dreams allow us to take risks and chances. We keep showing up day after day, page after page, and our persistence pays off when there is something real on that written page. Most of the time, when you mention the odds of selling a spec screenplay, driven screenwriters laugh at you and continue to write. Are they insane? Or do they truly love the craft of screenwriting and believe that you make your dreams come true by doing the necessary work? Maybe a little of both is required to stay in the game. Screenwriters know their journey is a road traveled by creative warriors who don't allow anyone or anything to block their way. Wow. I love that, Mark. I just think when you think about that and, you know, being a creative warrior and not allowing anything to stand in your way, this is your journey. This is the path that you're on. Then you, you got to follow it. Yes. Because the alternative is there is not an alternative. Well, I think you say it beautifully on one of your coasters or one of your mouse mats. The alternative is uh, what a life of blank pages. Yeah. Screenwriting is difficult when you consider the alternative, a life filled with blank pages. Yeah. You know, you want to, you want to fill those and I would do it and I have done it not anymore, but for free. Yeah. Well, the time you take with your spec scripts, you know, yeah. um, you managed to get two of them, you know, done last year and to sit there and think, well, you know, I may not get paid for this two months worth of sure. work, but you know, I, I may in the future. And, uh, you know, I always say our specs, we do have to write without thinking about selling because, you know, it's hard to sell a spec. 
you know, but it's about what it can do for you because someone's going to need to see your writing example. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you're, you're available for script consultancy work. And I think if anybody wants a quick kind of, um, you know, dip into some of your wisdom, you also have some fantastic videos online as part of Film Courage, the YouTube channel. Oh, yes. Yeah, we've got, we've had over, gosh, 350,000 views of all those. Wow. Yeah, there's two sets. We did um, one a few years apart and um, they're great. Film Courage is amazing interviewers Mm. who have just a a wealth library of knowledge of people that they interview. Oh, and I just also read the Writer's Toolkit, (laughs) by the way, which is a fantastic (laughs) book. Uh, I'm not just, it is. I mean, like I say, you can, you can teach old dogs new tricks. You you have so many um, exercises in there that are just amazing for writers that I never, you know, in integrating yoga and all sorts of things into your, into your disciplines and things like that. So um, research and all this kind of stuff. So I'm glad you found value in it. That's fantastic. It's all about keeping it practical for me. I think um, much like with yourself, with how, how your book came about, I found that I'd been, you know, teaching my workshops for a long time and had amassed so much original content and thought, gosh, I, there, there must be a book here somewhere. Sure. Um, and kind of put it put it together that way. So. And your your book is the kind that you you just don't read once and go, okay. I mean, I think kind of like I tried to make my book is that you go back to it and you'll dog ear a thing and you'll write a note and you'll say, oh, I've got a problem with this. Maybe I can go and you know. Yes. It's like a, a guide that you'll keep with you dip in kind of not that you'll put back on the shelf and go oh i read it once a year it's you know no i love that thank you oh thank you the trailer for your most recent uh short screenplay 60 seconds the heist uh looks fantastic tell us a a little bit about it um yes i um a friend of a friend's uh approached me and said wait we got to work together and everyone always says that and says yeah 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 and so no i'm serious we should do something a little project so this was a true short, and we both yeah. love the heist genre. Can you give us a little synopsis? Just tell us a little bit about it. Um, it's not guns blazing heist. It's a heist in a casino where they're going to swap out themselves as the as the um, the bank guards, right? And it's all based upon timing and also hooking into the security cameras. And there's a very clever way of how they're going to signal everyone so that there's no way that the person um, on the inside could be thought of as being part of the plan. And so there's many twists and turns. And the name 60 seconds comes from the amount of time it'll take to get across the river to the other side to escape to freedom. Right. So strangely enough, as of the drafts went on, COVID hit. Right. So suddenly approaching casinos was a lot easier because they were closed. Wow. I mean, completely yeah, closed. Course. So a number of casinos um, outside of Las Vegas were more than happy to facilitate. And then a few fell through. But it's funny because one, there was a monorail system and the other one had an airport behind for skydiving. So the, the end of the heist had to continually change okay. of how it was, you know, based <laughs> upon the casino that we got. So then it ended up in uh, Laughlin, Nevada, where right. Um, right. you have the river, the great mm-hmm. Colorado River that divides the, the state line. So that was the, okay, now it's, the, now that's where the heist, you know, <laughs> yep. that's where they yep. do the escape. So um, in a way, the, the lockdown helped to get a complete casino. And uh, so it's out to festivals around the world, which is great. It sounds fantastic. Yeah, it was exciting to see to see how it turned out. It was just amazing. Even from uh, from the title onwards, you have that immediate pressure and conflict and that Hitchcock ticking time bomb element. Yes, you know. Yeah. Okay. Final scene. Just a few questions to close with while the credits roll. Okay. What are you reading at the moment? 
Oh, um, I just finished um, actually Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Tarantino novel, and um, it was delightful. If he writes more novels, you know, it was one of those page turners that you would read like on the airplane and was the was the movie, but with other parts that he left out. I just literally finished your book uh, recently as well. Oh, fantastic. If there was a movie made of your life, what genre would it be? <laughs> um, a dramedy, okay. a drama with some interesting comedy, I think. I've had a lot of funny stuff happen, and I was also in a sketch group for four years. So, yeah, I think um, a dramedy. And and who would write it? Oh, who would write it? I'd want to produce it, but some some new talent. Give somebody a shot, you know. <laughs> what do you wish you had known when you first started out? Well, that's a good one. I've been asked that before. Um, How incredibly difficult this was going to be. I mean, I really didn't think, you know, coming out of film school in, in the era that I did, it was all all the specs and then our friends were making and oh we, uh, uh, and people were just it was exciting and not that it isn't exciting but uh that it was going to be like wow but but primarily how difficult and i think that's a good one for writers to to think if they want a career is that you've got to be in this for the long haul it's not for the short-sighted it's a long it's your rest of your life and that that takes a lot and many people um if you're the thin of skin and you don't take criticism rejection and failure easily and and just have dose after dose of it and still go I want more like officer and gentleman because I got nowhere else to go and the rain's pouring on you and they throw mud at you and you go okay I'll write another script and you have to write another script yes and then maybe that I would still be doing it this far down and still still excited and still get that like I said originally the wide-eyed kid when I walk on a movie set I'm still thrilled I'm still like, oh, this is so amazing that we get to do this, you know, and, and oh, look and how everything's done. And it just, you know, interested in all the different aspects of cinema. Yeah. Last question. What's the quickest feature you've ever written or the quickest time you've ever written a feature in rather? That was uh, 20 days and that was an assignment, but that's five pages a day, which is not bad. Um, and because I had a, you know, a great outline and um, the first draft ended up probably... 85, 70% of what it later ended up being after, you know, production drafts and things like that. Um, so I've trained myself to be a faster writer and it sounds like, oh, you know, but rather than turning down work and like, let's say have two, two jobs at the same time or one trailing off and the other one starting, you have to uh, stack projects. <clears throat> and then there was one crazy time. I, if you remember in the book that the producer said, oh, the investors are coming from Germany. I go, when? Friday. And it was like, early Thursday oh, yeah. and he said we want something to show to them like the script right. I was like are you nuts I went, yeah. so I said okay can you give it to somebody by Friday I said sure I stayed up for 24 hours and I did 23 pages I'm not sure how great it was but they saw something uh, at you know probably at their big dinner that they had and I was quite you know passed out sleeping because <laughs> I was up for a day and I uh, wouldn't suggest that for anybody Da Vinci didn't paint it in three days yeah. But what does it say for that deadline as well, right? We need, yes. we need a deadline sometimes, you know. It's amazing what you it's can true. do with a deadline. That's why in the assignment jobs, there always is a deadline. And um, I always meet it, but I come in early so that I can have a week to play with it myself. Yes. Because you're not just handing it over when you, you, know, you rip it out of the typewriter and say, here, you know, like in the old days, here it is. So, yeah, that <clears throat> how, how was the fastest uh, you ever wrote script? 
I'm, I think, uh, TV, yeah, TV, a TV uh, script um, in a week, yeah, in seven days. But that was, um, a, it was a 45-minute docudrama of which 50% is scripted. Okay. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it was it was a fast fast turnaround show. And I really thrive in that environment. And I think knowing that you have, you know, those seven days to yeah. turn around, you know, a script, you'll, you'll do it. You know, the work is there. You want to work in that space with those people on that project. Sure. You'll, you'll bring it to the table and you'll do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll rise to the occasion if it's, you know, and the good thing is from yeah. writing so long, we know what we can yeah. do and what, you yeah. know what I mean? You sort of, you have an yeah. idea like, yeah, I could do that. I can do that in this amount yeah. of time. And appreciative of the work as well. I mean, you know, it's jobs like that are few and far between sometimes. So, you know, you give me the job, I'll do it. You know, we'll, we'll get there. Of course. So Mark, this podcast is all about practice and process. Could you leave us with your top tip for maintaining a healthy writing practice? I think our mental our mental and physical state is is primarily important to facilitate our creativity. So if you're not taking care of yourself, sleeping well, eating well, exercising, um, the rest of it's going to be difficult at best. And so there is, at least in my experience, there there is a connection between all of that. So I would say treat treat this um, pursuit of a career with respect and the craft of writing with respect because you will be humbled. Yeah. Yeah. Just know that it's a long haul journey. And if it's your passion, which it's our passion, I know it's your passion, you'll thrive just by the fact of you doing it instead of trying, like you said, I'm constantly trying to pursue making it. Yeah. It's not a jigsaw puzzle, right? You, there's not going to be a last piece. Sure. As long as you're writing, you've won, right? Your success. Mm. You can't let the external forces change your happiness. That's the hardest one too, as well. Like, oh, they didn't like my script. Now I'm down. They like my script. Yeah. Now I'm up. Yeah. It's going to be that way as long as you're writing. So right. that's a, that's hard. It's a lot of anxiety. It's not, you know, just be happy. You're like, hey, I'm creating. I'm creating yeah, another yeah, thing. Yeah. Yep. They didn't yeah. like it. Okay. They didn't like it. Let me listen to why they didn't like it. Yeah. Learn yeah. and then go on to your next one. Yeah. There's always a next one. That's why I joke. It says this won't be your only script. Yes, I love that because you write that on the Starbucks cups as well, don't yeah. you? All the time. I love seeing that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. This won't be your only script. Trust me. Oh, this is fantastic, Mark. I can't wait until we can sit down yes. um, in LA or wherever it may be and have this coffee in person. Absolutely, man. I'm I'm here if you're here and we'll we'll definitely do it. Yeah, and I yeah, appreciate yeah. so much uh, you in- inviting me on. It's been it's been uh, wonderful to talk to you and also to read read your book yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Likewise. Have a good week. Yes. Bye-bye. Thank you, Paul. Oh, I feel so lucky to have been able to sit down and chat with Mark. What an inspiring guy. His latest short film, 60 Seconds, is currently out to film festivals, and his book, A Screenwriter's Journey to Success, Tips, Tricks, and Tactics to Survive as a Working Screenwriter in Hollywood, is available now, links below, and you can support the show at no extra cost using the affiliate link in the show notes. You can also find information about Mark and his wonderful Coffee Ring cartoon merchandise on his website, also linked below. Next time on the Writer's Toolkit Podcast. I'm talking to a veteran Broadway actor who's making his Broadway debut as a playwright. I was flying to L.A. We got literally, it was like, so we're doing this. Casting director, audition, breakdown. Oh, this all happened in the past like six months. And instead of being on vacation, I was in the hotel room watching self-tapes and watching auditions. Douglas Lyons is the writer behind the brilliant comedy Chicken and Biscuits, which is enjoying a limited season at Broadway's Circle in the Square Theatre right now. And one half of the sensational musical theatre writing duo Lyons and Pakchar, the creators of Bo, a folksy, poppy, rocky gospel spectacular. You you meet this performer who started this band in honor of his grandfather, Bo, and... I, I, I didn't know, but I knew I wanted to write something, and that felt like a juicy world to find, and we found it. 
Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram. You'll find me at Paul Kalbergi. You'll also find links for anything mentioned in this episode in the show notes below. Until next time, stay inspired. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Writer's Toolkit podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to leave a review and share the link with your friends. This podcast is fueled by coffee. If you'd like to support the show, you'll find the Buy Me A Coffee link in the show notes.